Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's the head personal trainer at Tap Out Fitness, founder of Moby Duke Fitness and content creator. It's Duke Large. How are you doing today, Duke? I'm great, Alex. Thanks for having me. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing good. I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about all about your rise to the challenge. First thing we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Um, are you talking about like from literally high school? Like where's the starting point? Talk Ideally. about right at the beginning. Younger, younger Duke. I mean, I was born in Port Chester, New York. I lived in Rye as an infant for a couple of years, moved to a, to a few towns, but I mainly grew up in Granby, Connecticut since I was eight years old. And then I went to college at Central Connecticut State University, which is in New Britain, Connecticut, 15 minutes west of Hartford, which is the capital of Connecticut. Um, and now I'm back home in Granby. You know, the pandemic kind of got the best of me. I'm sure we'll get into some of that stuff as we go into the podcast, but that's, that's where I'm from. So I've pretty much been in the Northeast my entire life. Has the Northeast taught you anything about yourself or any kind of skills that you have found in yourself? Um, I mean, not, I don't think anything in particular that I wouldn't have learned elsewhere. If anything, uh, you kind of have thicker skin up here because people are known for being jerks up here a little. Uh, we don't have Southern, there's no Southern hospitality in the Northeast. I'll put it that way. And there was a poll that came out recently like I saw it on Fox News, on Secular Talk, like all these podcasts, liberal and, and Republican, where Connecticut was like number three for one of the most snobbiest states. And Massachusetts was number one. And I live right on the border of Massachusetts. So I kind of get the worst or the best of all worlds, however you want to put it. Um, so, yeah, just thick skin, if anything. Not that I'm a solid shield, but, you know, you, you have to – it's not as – like I've been to the South, like I've been to New Orleans, I've been to North Carolina, South Carolina, and it's just way more easygoing. Um, people are a lot more polite. They're willing to have a conversation. If you talk to a stranger up here in Connecticut, they either think you're hit, they're hitting on you or you're trying to sell something. Uh, other than that, everyone kind of stays in their bubble. COVID didn't really change that. It just made it worse, if anything. So that's that's the only thing I would say in terms of like what I've learned from New England, maybe stuff will come up as we go along. But when you hear about those polls and how they kind of put your whole state in a kind of like they name you as this is how you are. Do you ever try to break that mold? And was there any person that helped you break out of that mold? No, I've always just been an empathetic person. I mean, there's plenty of great people in Connecticut and any state. Just how, you know, for example, Florida is an ideal state for everyone to live in, but they know how crazy Florida is. Like there's a lot of crazy people live in Florida, but there's crazy and bad people, bad apples all across the world from all walks of life. So yeah, we might be the most snobby or one of the most snobby, but I mean, if you treat others, just, I just, I've always treated people the way I wanted to be treated. No one's perfect, but you know, I've always just tried to live by example in terms of that. So Growing up, did you find any passions in your life? Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, I went through so many phases. Um, so, I mean, from skateboarding to basketball to car tricks to blogging to a bunch of stuff, some stuff I'm doing now, some stuff I did in high school. I think the the one passion that really stuck was music at first. So in middle school, I DJed the middle school dances. Um, 
Um, it was an idea at first, but I was like, screw it. Why not? Because my first dance experience was terrible. I obviously I was a 12 year old. Like there's 18 year olds with social anxiety who are afraid to talk to girls. So imagine me being a 12 year old, you know, trying to mingle at a dance like that. It was, looking back on it, though, it's like there is no reason that kids that age should be grinding on each other or trying to do anything like that anyways. But you always think you're a big kid, you know. Like when you're in sixth grade and you're the oldest in your school, like you think you're such a big kid and you know everything. And I mean, that same mindset kind of goes throughout high school. But anyways, um, yeah, the music really stuck. Uh, middle school, I, I DJed and I made some music and I also got into hip hop. And so I made a mix of EDM music and then I started getting into rapping and it wasn't good. It wasn't. Um, I was impatient. I wasn't willing to go through the motions. I was very ambitious, still am to this day. It's just kind of hardwired in my brain, and I would always be putting stuff out there. Uh, there would be some regret because, you know, people would shit on it, to be frank. But I was also a young kid, like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, whether it was making beats or rapping. Um, and then, I mean, I stuck with basketball throughout high school, but I got into choir my junior year of high school and that's kind of when my music persona really took off because yeah, I was doing all this producing and stuff, but I never had a formal music background. Um, I didn't know how to sing properly. I didn't know most of that stuff now, but if you were to meet the Duke five years ago, that would have been a different story or six years ago at this point because the time's just flown by. So, um, did really well. I worked hard. It boosted my GPA, which I needed. And then my senior year of high school, I ended up being in the chamber choir and I was the president of the regular choir, even though I had just started my junior year. Um, I used the, the, the Donald Trump analogy. Like I kind of came out of nowhere and just used my charisma to convince people to vote for me as president, even though there were most definitely other people Shout out to them. Not that they be listening because they don't like they're not in touch with me anymore, but um, they definitely deserved it over me. But I just had enough charisma at the time. My senior year of high school, I was able to convince people to vote for me. And I thought I really I was stuck between at the time in high school when I was about to go to college. I was like, I either want to do music or some type of athletic training. And uh, I picked music because that's how I was going to be able to get into school. That's how I got into CCSU because my choir teacher had a connection with professor. I think his name was, Oh God. His first name started with a D and his last name was Collins. I'm sure he still works at CCSU. Uh, Cause he's a, like a big deal in the music department out there. But literally the day I got to central, I switched my major because I realized music was not what I wanted to do, or at least I liked music. But I knew it wasn't going to be a sustainable career unless I had like an engineering concentration, which CCSU didn't have. Now, had I gone to UHart, University of Hartford, that would have been a different story. But that's one of the most in-demand music schools in the country. And it's also way more expensive. And I didn't get into their music school. So I was like, all right, I'll just go to CCSU. So my hobby in particular was music, but I bounced around a lot. I went through a lot of phases as a little kid middle school, high school, you name it, but mainly music and fitness. Would you say music kind of gave you a little bit more confidence in yourself? Because you talked about when you were younger at like 12 that you didn't have that 
charisma, confidence level. But as you've gotten older, music played a big part in that. Yeah, that's the funny thing. Like, I always had a natural charisma and people just didn't realize how bad of anxiety I had going even back to that um, because I was afraid of rejection or making myself look foolish or not having any friends to go to the dance with beforehand. Not that 12 year old kids were pre-gaming getting drunk for a middle school dance, but you know, they usually hang out or take pictures. And I was always a floater when I grew up. I never really had a solid click. Um, People were friends with me, but it's more to bust my chops. I was just one of those guys that they like to bust their balls. It's it, there was never really a a real relationship there, and uh, music kind of helped me stand out, and it did give me confidence, but also gave me a lot of anxiety because a lot of people, like I said, they they shitted on it. Um, some of the aspirations were good, and some of them were not. And I mean, it is what it is. Kids are immature. Kids will be kids, you know. Um, and I think I, I don't know how to put it any other way, to be honest. Uh, do I think it helped long term? Yes, because performing in front of people, like once I actually got into singing, that's when I think my confidence started to rise because I was actually performing in front of people. And when I got to college, yes, I switched my major right away, but I sang in an acapella group for three years. And it was nerve wracking every time, especially if I had a solo. Um, but that helped me grow. And that's why I feel like even when I go on tangents or I ramble, talking to me is so much easier because if you can sing in public, you can most definitely talk in public. Uh, just it kind of gives you an outlet. It, it helps you stand out amongst the rest of the men, especially if you're trying to impress the ladies. Like, well, girl doesn't like a guy who doesn't know how to sing. So that was kind of my mindset. But, you know, kill two birds with one stone, that kind of thing. Do you have a memorable song that you sang that you remember to this date? Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't met you yet by Michael Buble. I was actually, so my sophomore year of college, I was into vlogging. This this was when I was really watching a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk, um, who I'm sure you know of. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what to document. So I just started documenting my life. I wish I kept doing it. I stopped after my sophomore year of college. I did it for one semester. And because I wasn't a famous influencer yet, I kind of quit, which I wish I didn't do because now I'm basically starting all over from what I was beginning to do, which we'll get into. Um, I lost my train of thought. So yeah, I haven't met you yet. I, I was watching the video of it the other day and it was cool. Um, that was one song and banana pancakes was another solo I had. Um, I performed, oh, another great song. This was high school though. So the first two I just mentioned were college, but in high school I sang to build a home. Um, you might not know the title, like you might not recognize that song name, like the name of the song, but, um, it was in this Guinness commercial. And if you were to look it up to build a home, Guinness commercial on YouTube, you would recognize it right away. It's like this very nostalgic, emotional piano melody. And no one knew I could sing. Like everyone knew I was a rapper and this. So no one was expecting me to perform well. And this was my junior year of high school. And then I performed that song and everyone was like actually shook. They they couldn't believe how good of a singer I was because the only thing they could compare it to was how shitty my raps were. So um, they it, it was great. 
Um, so I sang that song and then I sang another Michael Buble song at a coffee house, my senior year of high school, um, home, even though I was home, I hadn't left home. It was just a good song. I liked Michael Buble is a baritone. I'm a baritone. Uh, I always liked Michael Buble growing up. So it just seemed like the right fit. See, that's why I love wild card stories. Like you mentioned how people underestimate you and then you yeah. showcase your skills and they're like, wow. And I feel like yeah. I've gone through that same journey with athletics is where I don't look like an athlete, but when I get there on the field, you, you're never going to know what it's going to hit you. So yeah. I love all those stories about being a wild card in a way. Yeah. Most, uh, I mean, there's definitely something just interesting about having the odds be against you or at least people's perspective of you is that um you win some you lose some and that was one I won because you know I took multiple shots at different things and it's not that I still wasn't rapping I probably stopped rapping and making beats and stuff like that my senior year of high school it was when I started dating my first ex-girlfriend um you know how that happens you get a girlfriend you kind of get complacent in your passions like the gym or music or whatever it is. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm getting laid now. So I don't need to do shit. You know, I can just sit on the couch and do nothing all day, which is by the way, if anyone's watching this or listening to that and has that mindset, please change it right away because relationships are temporary. Take that from me. And I'm sure we'll discuss more of that as we go along here. So yeah, did the, you have, those songs I remember. Did you have any inspirations or someone that motivated you growing up? Uh, musically, anything just in your personal well, life. Well, to, just to stick with music, because I'm sure we'll get into the fitness later. Um, this Swedish artist, some people may know him, some people may not. His name's Bass Hunter, and oh. he's from Sweden. Yeah, Love um, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he came out with that song Dota. And all, he also had like English versions of his songs where he rewrote them. They weren't translated. He just rewrote the songs like All I Ever Wanted, Now You're Gone instead of Bota Anna, um, Russian Privjet or something like that. He had a few good hits that people in America knew, but he was much bigger in like countries like New Zealand and England and in Europe because EDM wasn't big here. It was like it was actually like I swear to God when I was DJing I would have friends complain about it there being too much techno music but if you go to a club now that's all you hear unless you're in a hip hop club specifically so it's just funny how the times change because people gave me crap about it back then but those same people are listening to at least some variation of that music only three years later so like when we're in high school so Bass Hunter was one. Um, in terms of hip hop artists, like people I listened to for the rapping, um, Logic was by far my favorite artist. He still is uh, my favorite. He, I felt like I was always able to make a personal connection with. I ha- listened to him way before he was famous. And I know that's like, I know people get annoyed when people brag about like knowing someone before they're famous. Like if they listen to them, like, like, oh, I knew that there's like a Facebook thread. Like, oh, I knew that song before it was famous, that kind of thing. And I kept telling my high school buddies or my high school buddies, air quotes. I was like, but one of good friends, shout out Isaac. I was friends with him. He actually believed me. And he also I sang choir with. Uh, I was like, listen, this dude is going to be, he's coming. Like, he's going to be worldwide. 
I was listening to him my freshman year of high school. Three years later, he came out with his first debut album, Under Pressure, hit the charts right away because his mixtapes had pretty good success, but they were still under the radar overall compared to, I mean, at that time, if we're going back to, God, 2011, 2012, Lil Wayne was still pretty relevant. Drake was, you know, on his come up, but he was already pretty high. Oh, God, who else was relevant back then? Like Waka Flocka. I'm just thinking of random names. Soldier Boy. Um, God, who else was around back then? I mean, I also listened to oldies like Wu-Tang Clan and Rakim and Biggie, Tupac, uh, Big L. But I listened to a mix of the new artists as well. And Logic was nowhere near relevant as those guys. And before we knew it, he was selling out arenas. And I saw him perform excuse me, while I was in college, I think it was after my freshman year of college, he came to the Xfinity Theater in Hartford. And that was by far at least top three uh, concert experiences, if not the best. I just, I'm just amazed at the Bass Hunter because I've listened to him. Bass Hunter. Don't mix mix that up. He doesn't fish. He doesn't fish. He See, I'm, a, I'm a bad fan now, but I was literally just listening to one of his songs before this interview started because he was on a bunch of shows that I used to watch early, like 2009, I think it was. And that's when I started listening to him. And, and that was the peak of his career, for sure. It's just, I mean, it's like you said, EDM music, but it's like anytime you listen to his songs, you're going to start dancing no matter what it is. And that's, yeah. that's the part I like. So talk about your college path. How did that go for you? Did you still find your passions, but you find a new path for yourself? Yeah, dude. I mean, so as you said, I'm, you said I can curse or whatever. So, I mean, I'll be, I'll be blunt about why I was in college. The reason I was really in college besides the music was to get laid like every other guy. I mean, People can say like, oh, it's to get a job or it's to, you know, make a higher earning. But like, we all know that 18 year olds are full of shit looking back. Like they were only going to college one because their parents probably told them to. But number two, they wanted to get away from home. They wanted to have that social experience because they saw movies like American Pie and shows like like Blue Mountain State. So they're like, this is what I want. I want to get all the girls. I want to be able to get drunk three, four days a week. And not have any limits and just get away with whatever I want. And that was my mindset. And that was most people's mindset. Yeah, they could say like, oh, I like English or oh, I like biology. But like, stop lying to yourself. Like everyone went to college to have fun and to build a group of friends, especially if they didn't feel like they had a belonging, a sense of belonging in high school. And I was one of those people by far. I felt so much more of a belonging in college. So my first two years, like I said, I went from music on the first day to communication for a year. And then I got into some network marketing companies. Don't recommend those, by the way. Uh, And because I realized I have the good charisma and I like marketing, I decided to change my major to marketing. Um, But I always saw myself as some type of entrepreneur because I always had entrepreneurial ideas like the music, for example, but other than the music, I was never able to stick through with my ideas. And it's funny because my grandfather was the same way, God rest his soul. He, granted, he had successful businesses, 
but my parents, my dad in particular, his son, obviously, was always like he was a great idea man, but he, he would start them, but then he'd get burnt out and bored by them and then sell them. And I see a lot of the same mental kinks in my brain and how I'm wired. So that's something hopefully I can learn from if I decide to go the entrepreneurial route. But to go back to school in particular, um, I was pretty involved. I, I joined the marketing association my sophomore year, um, ended up getting an e-board position a semester later because people were slacking. They weren't taking it seriously. A lot of people just wanted to put it on their resume, but I took it seriously and I was rewarded for doing so. My junior year, I became the vice president and my senior year as the vice president. But with that said, there was a lot I did wrong in my college experience. So number one, my freshman year, I was way too hooked about my ex. I, it was like I was playing this uh, toxic competitive game with her of like who can get laid the most, even though she couldn't give two shits. Like that was my focus. Like I didn't care. Like I was doing fine in school, but like I was living for the weekend. And you know how they say don't live for the weekend? I was literally living for the weekend. And it wasn't a good mindset. No, yeah, I was working out a little bit and playing basketball here and there. But I still had my high school metabolism. You know what I mean? I was still skinny from working at a camp all summer. And then sophomore year, after my ex and I got back together for a period of time, five months, uh, long story short, that didn't work out pretty much right when she got back to college because she went to St. Joseph's University in uh philadelphia and i was here in connecticut so that's a far distance along other reasons i won't get into um so and then four months later i date a new person um but during that time um i was just trying to just trying to get by in school again i was still having that live for the weekend mentality i didn't really know what i wanted to do i wasn't pursuing anything there was no passion it was just go out thursday go out Friday, go out Saturday and at least get laid one of those nights. Like, I know it sounds so shallow and immature, but most guys have this mindset. Like, it's just the honest to God's truth. And any guy who tells you that wasn't their mindset is lying to you or lying to themselves or lying to their friends because we saw it in, we see it in the movies. We see it in the media. They, they advertise it, right? While most people don't need a college degree to be successful. It's all bullshit. Like, and we'll talk about more of that later. Um, unless you're trying to be a lawyer or a mechanical engineer or a nurse, a doctor, like these specific fields, you do not need to go to college. And I think, which is why, like when people say, Oh, I want free college. I'm like, you don't understand how that's going to backfire. You're going to, the market's already saturated enough as it is. People, I have friends who still can't find jobs in their field, construction management, marketing, business, so they end up working the same jobs that they did in high school or college. But anyways, to get back to my, my college journey, I started dating my most recent ex. Um, and I started to watch Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, like I said, I was kind of into entrepreneurship and marketing. And I decided to start vlogging. And those videos are still up, but they're private. So I can only, you can only see them if I share the link with you. I'm more than happy to share the links with you, by the way, Alex, if you are curious Um, and was just trying to better myself. Like I was still going out a little bit, but like having my most recent ex at that time definitely got me a little more squared away initially. Like I said, initially wasn't going out as much, wasn't drinking as much, wasn't smoking as much, um, working out a little bit, 
but not how I work out now. Um, reading books, like I said, I wanted to run a business. I just didn't know what. So I just started documenting my life and I wish I kept doing it because I was on the right path, but I gave up too soon. Um, I went through, excuse me, a lot of mental health struggles, especially my sophomore year. Um, and I stopped, uh, and I'm, we're probably going to end up backtracking to high school eventually. Cause I'm sure you'll have some questions, but I stopped and then summer came after my sophomore year and I was kind of in that stuck phase again. Like I didn't really know what to do. I worked out in Nantucket for a few weeks, uh, had crippling anxiety and depression, OCD and stuff that maybe we'll get into more. Um, uh, came back, didn't know what to do, got a job at Duncan and just wrote it out. Just tried to have fun with friends when I could, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And then my junior, senior year came around. Now, I was, like I said, I was doing things. Like I had, an, I had an internship, a couple of them. I ended up being in student government, which was great. And I was the VP of the Central Marketing Association. And I was still singing acapella until my junior year. Um, I Acapella ended after my junior year. So I did a lot for a good amount of years. But my sophomore and or sorry, my junior year and my senior year, I was always high. And we'll get into this more, but there wasn't a time where I was not medicating myself with pot. And this is something up until recently I have been doing every day. And it used to be so bad. Like I was literally 24 seven stoned always because we would make me anxious but I also didn't want to feel depressed. So they say what happens is if you build up enough of a tolerance, you kind of get over that anxiety hill, but that means you have to be high all the time to not experience that anxiety. Cause then you'll get the withdrawals of anxiety when you don't smoke and then it relieves the anxiety. Does that make sense? Yeah. So while, yeah, I was productive. I was a big C's get degrees guy. I had a couple A's, couple B's here and there, but there was not a class basically where I was not high my junior senior year. It was really bad. So I know I just gave you a whole shitload. So before I get into more details and keep bouncing around, go ahead and ask your questions while I sip my tea. <laughs> Did you use the party and lifestyle as a way to cover up the emotional burden that you're going through? Because it sounds like the things that you're going through personally, you kind of use the partying to kind of showcase it to other people. But did you ever have people besides your girlfriend at the time that you're able to express these things to? Um, I mean, I, I got into, I was in and out of therapy, but like it was too expensive at the time for my parents and, so it'd be like one appointment, like, or like one or two, like a couple times a year. Um, so I ended up getting a psychiatrist, which I still have because it's a lot cheaper to be prescribed something than to see a therapist. Um, now granted I'm in therapy more consistently now, but for a while it just did not seem financially suitable. Um, but my parents see the value in it now, not that they didn't see in it it back then, but like I said, it's expensive. So other than my most recent ex-girlfriend, no, not really. My parents eventually, uh, I didn't tell about my parents about it for a long time either. It was something I hid from everyone, literally everyone. 
uh, cause I didn't know what it was at the time, which it was OCD, but there's a big misconception about what OCD is and it's frustrating. I think it's making progress. I've learned to accept it. Uh, like the number of times I've heard like, Oh, I'm OC. I'm so OCD. Cause I like my pen this way. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like you just like being organized like a regular human does. Like that doesn't mean you have OCD. So it's just funny when people say stuff like that, but I've learned to accept it and not get offended by it because if you get offended by everything, every, every single moment of ignorance in people, you're never going to be happy. Like you're always going to be sad or upset about something. And it's just a waste of your time and energy, you know? So to answer your question, again, I go on these tangents. No, basically it was just my ex-girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Did your family know about the things that you're doing in college with smoking every day? Or was that still something you're... Oh, yeah, no, they had no idea. Yeah, yeah, no. Because when I came back from school after my freshman year of college, um, I started smoking every day. That was basically when my consistency with pot started. Uh, I, I Obviously, I dabbled in high school. I dabbled in my freshman year of college. But my sophomore year, going into it, that's when or sorry, after my sophomore year of college. So going into my junior year, so I was 20, not 19. That's when it really started taking off. So for the first two years, it was more of an, I was more of a drinker because it didn't make you feel awkward. You know how weed can like kind of set you back, make you chill. And I was so motivated to talk to girls. I knew I couldn't smoke weed. So that was kind of the incentive to drink over smoking, even though you, when you drink a lot, the next day you feel like shit. But I wanted to go out. I wanted to have fun. And like, don't get me wrong. A lot of those times I, I don't regret, but you definitely have to find a balance. And I've seen many friends like come and go in terms of like they didn't finish college or they're still in college. Uh, they dropped out, uh, whatever the case is. Um, I think a lot of people party party to get away from something but it's also because they don't want to feel left out and college is short assuming you go for only four years some people go longer but that's a very short time in your life and it's understandable that people want to make the most of it but i think that's something people don't understand until they're older like my age 24 23 etc is that it's not as fulfilling as it seems as the media as the movies the tv shows they make it seem but that doesn't mean don't have fun go out and have fun once in a while but be responsible and take care of your priorities first uh or else you're always going to feel like you're behind on something and i think yeah it's it's just like a it's it's just like a blanket it, it's just a blanket everyone's wearing some type of blanket. They're masking themselves with alcohol, booze, or drugs. I'm fortunate enough. It wasn't anything harder than that, to be honest, because I know a lot of other people that went down much worse paths with drugs, drug addiction, things of that nature. So. Well, you mentioned how everyone has this mask on. I know from my experience, anytime I was in those kind of settings, really people were coming to me to talk. Like they would be drinking so much that they just start telling me everything. And you see like these real true feelings or colors coming out of this person. And I think it's just a game changer. And like you said, 
the media does not help any situation because you started naming TV shows that everyone loves watching, but people yeah. wish their life was like that. But They're not reality. Correct. It's not real. You're more likely, it, especially if you're a guy, let's be real, it's much easier if you're a girl but granted there's also scary circumstances for women in college but like in terms of the fun aspect i mean chances are unless you're very charismatic you're probably standing against the wall looking and kind of looking weird and awkward and creepy but and that's a social skill people have to practice but i agree i think i think people would talk to you because they knew you were authentic and empathetic and i think people saw that in me too because even as soon as my freshman year i had people telling me shit and i'm like God damn. Like, wow. It was like, it was like I was a therapist. Like, I know that's crazy to say, but like it, it helped me get shit off my own mind. I was like, damn, I'm not the only one going through fucked up shit. Like, yeah, maybe it's not OCD they're dealing with, but it gives me some sort of a relief that, wow, this girl that I thought was hot or like that looks like she's always hot shit. And she's got these guys like hitting her up all the time. But, and then she, you know, you see this whole different side of uh, what they're going through. And it's definitely, it's, uh, it's impactful and, and, it, and it's humbling too. And I, I appreciate that people had enough trust in me. Now, whether that was the booze or their own conscious consciousness, I mean, doesn't really matter. I mean, I'm glad it was me over someone else. I'll put it to you that way, because someone else might take that information, spread it, and exploit them. As you're getting closer to the end of your college journey, what's going through your mind? Do you have a direction that you wanted to go towards, or were was it endless possibilities that could happen? So this is something my ex used to give me so much shit over. She was like, Duke, what the hell are you going to do when you graduate? Because I really didn't know. Like, that's what I was saying. I was, this is when I was really overweight, still smoking all the time. Um, not like part going out as much, but I was like Thursday, Friday. No, every day I was getting high with my friends. Like literally every night, like it was a, basically a party or some sort of get together. And don't get me wrong. Like it was a lot of fun, especially my junior year. That's when I felt the most socially comfortable with myself. But it caught up to me in the negative ways. Like, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, I was like, uh, I'll, I'll just say your name, Megana. Um, I was like, Megana, I just see myself as an entrepreneur. I don't know what the idea is. Maybe I'll just drive for Uber for a little bit. And obviously, that doesn't sound so sexy because it's like, wow, like you're getting a marketing degree and you're going to drive for Uber. Uh, that was something I was already doing, though. I was driving for Uber and Lyft during college. Like, that was the thing. Like, I had good work ethic in some things, but I wasn't able to articulate my time properly. Um, it was whatever I wanted to do. Um, my senior year, I did try making a podcast. Like, we called it, shout out to James if he listens to this. It was called the Dane Time Podcast. It was a basketball podcast. We did, like, eight episodes, if that. And then I ended up creating the Dane Time Network. And I'm sure you've heard of Dame Time, Damian Lillard, his like his nickname's Dame Time. Like he'll hit his watch or he'll hit his wrist pretending there's a watch because, excuse me, in the fourth quarter, he goes crazy. Right. Because he's statistically he's the most clutch NBA player right now. Not Kawhi Leonard, not LeBron James, not Russell Westbrook, not Paul George. It's Damian Lillard. Which who I hope wins the MVP this year, but that's not relevant to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, where 
was I going with that? Um, oh yeah, my senior year. So yeah, I, it was still, it, I was still kind of in that purgatory, just how I was sophomore year. I was just putting it off. I kept putting it off. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I had some of these ideas. I made the podcast, didn't really work, but, but I wasn't patient with it either. You've been doing this for over a year now and you know, it takes consistency. And I didn't student government. I wasn't, I was still VP, but also I also wanted to be able to get high. So, and that kills your motivation a ton. So I was doing what I had to do to get by in those e-board roles, but I'd be stoned in every, almost every single meeting or whatever. Like it was, I, I, I pulled it off well though. Like some people couldn't tell unless I'd be like, yo, I'm baked right now. Like they would have no idea unless I like smoked a blunt or a joint, then it would kind of smell. So, um, no, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And that's kind of when the basketball journey started. Um, I knew I needed to lose weight. So I took a picture of my fat ass, December 31st, 2018. It's on my Instagram. You can see it. Moby Duke fitness. Um, I, I use that picture all the time to show my clients because they think I've always looked this great. Right. Um, not that I'm, a perfect 10 out of 10. I'm still working on it. Um, got a membership at planet fitness, you know, that's kind of typical, you know, the over the typical overweight guy hasn't worked out in a while. They're going to go to planet fitness. Um, by the way, there's nothing wrong with planet fitness. Like I know it's kind of shitted on in the fitness industry. If you have a gym, you have a gym, like it's what you make of it. Um, and those massage beds are nice. That's actually why I signed up for planet fitness and not, one of the local gyms like big sky shout out to big sky. Um, so then like I was playing a lot of 2k, I was watching a lot of hoops cause I always loved basketball. Like that passion never died. Uh, we had cable at my house though, my senior year and I never had cable in college before then. So I was watching a lot of basketball that, that senior year. And I was just, I play like intramurals in college and stuff and I would play for fun at times. But like I said, the weight caught up to me cause I wasn't doing it a lot anymore. So, and then I was just like, you know what? Like, what if I just, what if I just set this insane goal of playing pro basketball? And then I just started doing research. Like it was that simple. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I just had this idea and I went with it, but I also didn't realize how overweight I was. Like I, if I had known how overweight I was looking back, I wouldn't have done it. Cause I was that out of shape. So I started training like four times a week, specifically with my friend, Mark, Mark, if you're listening to this, shout out to you. Uh, Mark always would get in the gym with me, at least on the weekdays. Sunday was a different story. He was recovering from the weekend, but at least he came on the weekdays and we would play lots of one-on-one. We would get play five sometimes, but I was really, I wanted to work on my skill work. So I was working, doing more one-on-one three on three, what kind of happens in fives is people are trying to show off their skills, but you can't really work on your skills. When you're doing more of three on three, two on two, one on one, the flow of the game slower. So you have to work on your skills to get better. So I would utilize my size, my post game from high school. And I kept practicing my shot because my shot somehow exponentially improved in college when I wasn't working on it. I don't know if it was an anxiety thing, a confidence thing, but once I went to college, it was like all of a sudden I knew how to shoot, which I never was able to do in high school. So I kept training and 
April of 2019, I'm a month from graduating college with my marketing degree and I'm at in New Orleans and the night before I fly to New Orleans, I like a couple days before that, I applied for the overseas basketball combine, which is an actual combine. You can literally look it up. It's legit. It's for D1, D2 players, D3, and current pros. And my overweight ass somehow got accepted. I don't know how. My, 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 my highlight video was terrible. It was just a bunch of videos of me playing three-on-three, one-on-one basketball. Like there was no reason for them to accept other than take my money, but I didn't care. I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. So when I went to new Orleans, uh, the reason I was in new Orleans was for the American marketing association intercollegiate conference. And it was our second year going, we went our junior year and our senior year and our senior year, fortunate enough, we won some awards, which was awesome. Or we were like a top five small chapter based off our club size. So that was amazing. So we, we, we came and we accomplished what we wanted. Um, but to go back on the topic of what I was doing personally with myself, I remember telling this guy, this guy is making conversation with me. He's kind of a douche. Um, just typical college kid. And he's like, so what are you doing after college? What are you looking to do? And I was like, Oh, I'm looking to do something with basketball. Maybe. And he was like, like sports broadcasting. And I was like, no, like playing. And he gave me this weird look because I was a big overweight kid. He, he, like, he, he wasn't blunt about it, but I could tell he was like, what's wrong with this loser? Like, what's wrong with this kid? Like, is he serious? Like, what is he talking about? And I mean, I don't blame him or anyone because I had plenty of people who probably hated on me. I didn't play collegially. My high school career was terrible. I loved my coach. We had a great relationship off the court, but for some reason on the court, we never clicked. He always thought I didn't play defense. I never understood it. Neither did my dad. Not that my dad's biased. Like we just, there was something going on there. So I kind of gave up on basketball until this whole thing happened my senior year of college. And I kept training and I kept training. And then that's when I got into the ABA tryouts, the American Basketball Association tryouts. This is prior to the combine, but these were tryouts I was utilizing to prepare myself for that combine. So if all else fails, I don't get a contract overseas, which is a long shot, less than a 1% chance, especially based off of my circumstances, I can maybe play for a semi-pro team. So I tried out for the Baltimore Hawks, uh, the Syracuse Stallions. Those two tryouts, I was still pretty overweight. I was like 230 pounds. I had only lost 20 pounds so far. My heaviest weight was like 250 pounds. Now, granted, I'm six foot three, but that's still very overweight for six foot three, especially when you're a basketball player. Maybe if you're like a linebacker, football player, yeah, you could put on a little more weight. But when you're talking basketball, no, like you need to be lean, some muscle, but lean. And I was not lean. So I, I'm surprised I didn't puke in those tryouts. I was ass. I was straight up ass. And I, and I was mad that Baltimore and Syracuse didn't give me a call to at least say I didn't make it to the second tryout. So I called them out on Instagram. I literally sub, I did like a subliminal post, like fuck these guys. So unprofessional. And my friends agreed with me, but one of the coaches for the Syracuse stallions was basically like, this isn't a men's league. Like, like we don't owe you anything. Like, and I was pissed off about that. I was defensive, 
but after I calmed down, after I got over that, that hill of depression, I, I did understand what he meant, but I'm, I'm very big on getting, I like receiving the no. It's like when you apply for a job, right? When you don't hear anything back from that recruiter, you're like, that recruiter's a piece of shit. Fuck him, right? Now, granted, he might not be a piece of shit because you don't know what is going on in his personal life. And you also don't know how many applicants he's dealing with. But because we're so self-centered in our society, everyone is. We're all guilty of it. Let's be real. Um, we're like, you know, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. So those tryouts didn't work out, but I still trained. I went through slumps. Some weeks I trained six days a week. Some weeks I trained two days a week. Then I tried out for the place though shockers in New Hampshire. And I had like somewhat of a personal connection. So Donovan, who was the founder of that team is from Windsor locks, which is 15 minutes from Granby. And he used to play for an AAU team or at least the same, not the same league, but like he was on, he was older than me, but he played for the same team. So I was on a younger team, but he was on the older team, I think. So we knew of him through the AAU community because he was from Connecticut. And I actually got a call back. I couldn't believe it. I, I sprained my ankle during the tryout, but I sat out for five minutes and then got back to it. I almost quit. Like I was teary eyed, all that stuff. I said, no, I got to get back out there. And ended up playing okay, and I got a call back, and I was stoked about it. Now, granted, most people got a call back, I'll be honest. But still, I could still say I got a call back for a semi-professional basketball team. So then I did the second tryout with them. Didn't hear anything until I returned from the combine. So let me go in chronological order. So then, after I tried out for Playsto the second time, I tried out for the Harlem Underdogs. Now... This was the closest I got to a contract was with this team, but there was a lot of shit going on. So I tried out for the team. I was still slightly overweight, probably more in like the 215 range now. Not bad, but still a little overweight, especially because most of it was body fat mass, not muscle mass, because I was only doing cardio, basketball training. I wasn't lifting weights, which looking back, there was so much I could have done differently to improve because I'm a trainer now, but I wasn't back then. There was so much I could have done to enhance my chances. So anyways, I tried out and I got along well with the GM and the coach. He saw my heart, but the coach was a piece of it. And he was also the owner of the team, not the GM. The GM was a good dude, but the owner and the coach names Daniel Jacobs. He's probably not going to watch this podcast, but anyone who tried out first team knows how much of a, 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 dirty money hungry person he is and i hate to put it that bluntly but it's the honest to god's truth and you'll understand why in a second so i tried out for that team i'm waiting for callbacks i was supposed to get a call back a few days before i fly out to florida but it's taken a while the by the way the combine the overseas combines in florida this is in August of 2019. So I had been training for like six months at this point, post all the ABA tryouts. And I land in Florida and I have like a missed call. And it's from this coach who's also the owner of the franchise, the Harlem Underdogs. And he's like, yo, I, I think that you'd be a great power forward. Yes, I'm undersized for a power forward in the pros, but like, Charles Barkley was a power forward and he was six foot four and he played in the NBA. 
So if he can do it, so could I in the ABA at least. So he's like, I want to be able to train you. Uh, yes, you live in Connecticut, uh, but we can like, he wanted, I was going to, I was going to be willing to figure something out to get there. Essentially. Uh, I would literally, I was going to be willing to Uber out Connecticut, like get, and then get like a destination trip somewhere in Greenwich. You know what I mean? And then just drive the rest of the way to New York for practice. Like that's what I was literally willing to do to play pro basketball or semi-pro basketball, I guess I could say technically. Um, so he's like, listen, if you let me train you, you congrat like congratulations, you'll have a roster spot. But there was a caveat. He wanted me to pay him three hundred dollars at least for me for him to train me. And he said if I didn't get him at least a hundred fifty dollars. By the end of that day, the deal was off, even though he already sent me the congratulations text. And I was on the phone with him saying I had a spot on the team. This was all happening as I landed in Florida for the overseas basketball combine. So my ex and my friend who was living down there, Bryce, shout out to Bryce if you're listening to this. He was in law school at the time, but he didn't need to be in law school to know this guy was trying to scam me. So my ex, Megana, and my friend Bryce and my dad were like, fuck him. He's trying to fish money out of you. He's putting this pressure on you. Don't do it. It's not worth it. So that was really a – that was such a distraction for me at the Combine. I was already nervous as fuck to begin with. I had no collegiate experience. I did not have a good high school experience with basketball. I'm with D1, D2, D3 players and players who have already played overseas in Puerto Rico, Central America, Canada. And here I am worrying about some guy trying to scam money out of me. I thought this was my chance to go pro. So at least if the combine fails, I have this to fall back on. But I realized soon enough he was trying to scam me. So I stopped replying to his texts. And then he was like, let's just call it quits. No harm, no foul. Like he did nothing wrong. So then the combine happens. Uh, There are some things I did good, some things I did bad. I don't know if they didn't realize I didn't have any college experience. Honestly, I said on my basketball resume, CCSU Club Basketball, and I actually think they thought I played for the school. But it was just (laughs) interviews. But it didn't matter. I was still there. I was still there. I met multiple NBA executives, NBA G League coaches, National Basketball League of Canada coaches. And it's not like I didn't score. I had a couple layups, couple hook shots, couple free throws. No, I didn't hit any of my jumpers because I was a nervous wreck. Um, and I was still overweight and out of shape to a certain extent. But I played my heart out. I got rebounds. I got a couple steals. Like There were okay things I did. Uh, I played my role, as they said. They said, if you're here to show off and score – there's the door because they weren't looking for stars. This combine was about finding role players. You know what I mean? Because the star players don't need to pay 500 bucks for a basketball combine in Florida. They can just play for their school and get recruited by teams all across the world. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So they were like, just play your role. And I did. I tried to listen to coach. Yeah. I still fucked up a bunch. But I set screens. I played hard on defense. 
I play with a lot of heart. But I had a couple bad games where, again, I'm an emotional person. I almost quit and just left. But this one person in particular, Jarrell, shout out to Jarrell if you're listening to this. I hope all these people I'm shouting out listen to it. <laughs> I was about to say, you are shouting out. Spot- I like- have to because, <laughs> listen, there are so many people, as many haters as they were, not talking to my face but probably talking shit behind my back, whether they were from Granby, my hometown, or from my college. There were people who supported me. They saw how hard I was working, kind of like, not to use him as an example, but kind of like what Jake Paul's doing right now, right? He's this famous Disney star, right? This famous YouTuber, but he falls in love with a sport. No, he doesn't have any credibility. He fights people who aren't boxers, but look how hard he's training. And he's, he's working with professional boxers. I essentially did the same exact thing with basketball. So in a way, even though I don't like Jake Paul's personality, now that I'm thinking of it, Jake Paul and I did something so similar. <laughs> like, no, I'm not a famous Disney star or a famous YouTuber. I'm just a regular college kid. But we both fell in love with a sport, and we just said, fuck it. I'm going balls deep in it. Like, And long story short, I head home from the combine. I get my film. And I'm waiting to receive my overseas grade. So it's a one to five scale, okay? The minimum requirement to have a chance, air quotes, because it doesn't mean you're going to get a contract. It means have a chance to play overseas is a 2.6. I got a 2.3. Oh, so close. Didn't play in high school well. Had no college experience overweight kid who was still smoking weed almost every day and i still got a 2.3 my high school peers who got all conference all state played division three basketball none of them did anything that i did none of them had the balls to do it maybe they didn't want to but they didn't even try and i was delusional enough to at least try yeah i was delusional but i still made it and that's what really kickstarted my fitness journey. It kind of shows like what we talked about earlier, the whole kind of underestimating people. And it shows that you put your mind to something and it it sounds like this was the first thing that you kind of put your mind towards and that you were going for. And you were going out there knowing that maybe I'm not going to make it, but I'm going to put a hundred percent. But look how close you got for having all the odds against you. I mean, that should be a huge accomplishment in yourself is that is hard work because there's people that could be in the same situation that you were in, but they didn't have that mindset to even try to get up off the couch and go for it. And and if these guys are listening, not that I'm close with them anymore, but like if Tanner Gibson or David Ecke somehow find this podcast, shout out to them. Like, they were always scraping my ass in high school and they played a little bit of D three for a little bit or a little bit of club, but their club basketball was more legit than the intramurals at CCSU. They never even tried that. I think the only people from my hometown to try something like that was Brett Boozer. Uh, and he played for a few colleges. He played for Southern Connecticut. He played for university of Hartford. Um, and Mike Noyes walked on UConn. That was like his big accomplishment. He walked on the UConn team 
And that was a long shot for him. But he had much more of a resume than I did. And he didn't try to do anything after college. So I was the only one, as far as I know, I'm pretty sure, from my high school that did a pro combine. Maybe Brett Boozer, if anyone. Shout out to Brett. But he was two years above me. Other than that, no, no one. And I was so overweight. I was not in shape. I had clearly had a weed addiction. If anyone who's listening to this smokes weed, listen, if you're doing it every day, you have an addiction. I hate to I hate to break it to you, but I speak from personal experience. So please don't be offended by that. But you can change it. So for me to do all that and to do that, yeah, I literally I did rise to the challenge. I made an insane challenge and I, I got pretty close and I don't regret it because it was the foundation for me to enter the fitness industry. So after that, I worked at Northwestern mutual as a recruiter for a few months was part-time there needed more money. So I got a job called at a, uh, a job called a fitness consultant, which basically is business operations. It wasn't high paying, unfortunately, but it was for a gym called the Edge Fitness Clubs. Now, you're from Missouri, right? Yep. There is an Edge in Missouri. I don't know if it's in your proximity, but there's, I know of there being at least a couple in Missouri. There's some in Missouri, Illinois, Michigan, but we're, our headquarters is in Connecticut, Orange, Connecticut. And I worked for the one in West Hartford, um, which is very big. I'm still a member there to this day. Um, so I was a fitness consultant for a few months, but I was like, this is not making enough money, but I love fitness. Maybe I'm going to become a trainer because people, even though I did the combine, they didn't trust my basketball intellect. Oh, by the way, I forgot to, I forgot to shout out my trainer. I did a few sessions with him over the summer, Doug Wiggins. He played for UConn and he's a current pro. He, he actually plays overseas. Like you can literally look him up. He's played Slovakia. Denmark, Germany, all these European countries. Um, so when you post this, be sure to tag all these people I'm shouting out and I'll be sure to do the same. Um, so I was like, I, well, it's not the basketball training thing's not going to work, unfortunately. So I was like, why don't I do personal training? Then the pandemic happened. So I started working on my NASM, but I got lazy. Uh, the NASM should take you like two months. It took me like eight, but I was doing the 75 hard challenge. Have you heard of it? I have. So I got to day 60. The only reason I failed was because I forgot one progress photo. If I, I did not miss that progress photo, I would have kept going to day 75. No alcohol, gallon of water every day, two workouts every day. One has to be outside, read 10 pages of a book. I did that as a pothead. It's hard to believe nowadays. If I was sober like I am now, I probably would have been able to complete it, honestly. But I forgot one photo. And if you miss it, every, anything, you have to start it over. It's, mm. like, it's like insane perfection, perfectionism. But that's why it's called 75 hard. So that gave me a little bit of fitness clout on my Instagram. I don't know if you remember, I had an Instagram page called Moby Duke Hoops. Yep. So that's where I put all my basketball stuff. That's where I put the 75 hard stuff. And then I just kept going from there. 
And then I was starting to apply from jobs. I moved back home to Granby because I knew I couldn't afford to live on my own anymore. I had to pay off massive credit card debt that I accumulated for my last two years of college, including the summer of all that basketball stuff. Because, yes, I was driving Uber and Lyft, but I was not smart with my money. Um, so I moved back home to Granby, started applying for jobs, but the pandemic was still a thing. And I was fortunate enough, shout out to Greg Hammonds and Brandon Rocco. They gave me an opportunity at Fearless Fitness Glastonbury, and that was my first job as a trainer. And I worked there until, unfortunately, it shut down right before March. Uh, and then I started working at Tap Out Fitness in November. So I was working at both gyms for a while. And, and slowly but surely, uh, I became head trainer at Tap Out Fitness because I worked hard and they saw my work ethic and they saw how good of a coach I was. And I became head trainer there. And that's the position I currently have. And I'm full-time at tap out. I've worked like four weeks straight as I've, we've had conversations about because we're understaffed right now because of certain situations, people leaving uh, for other jobs or getting fired, not going to call names out, but yeah, I've really had to pull up the bootstrap. So it's kind of ironic when I went cold Turkey from pot completely that I had to put in these extra hours. So I gave you a long story. So I'm, I, and I, there was so much I wanted to go back to from like high school and college, but like I, we can't do a four hour podcast. I wish we could. It would be so. like a five parter, but so we've been connected while well, we were connected on LinkedIn. I think I was, I asked you this question, like when was that? Cause I couldn't remember because I think it's been during that pa- whole pandemic we connected on LinkedIn And it seems like I have been through that journey with you, like seeing everything you've been able to accomplish. And then as we became talking a lot more, it's so amazing to see the mindset and actually learning a lot more than I knew before. And it's just exciting to see what that future is going to look like for you. When you're creating content for Instagram, videos, TikTok, YouTube, how much importance is it for you to get your message out there? Because a lot of people can look on anywhere and see, oh, he's just another fitness trainer. But what makes you special for someone to come find you? I think because of the basketball part, and I think because of the mental health part, I think a lot of people have the mental health part, but they don't have the basketball part. Like that, that foundation of how I got to it, to here, I think that story will never be replicated. I don't think it'll ever be replicated to the extent it was with me. Overweight kid, smoking weed, was involved in school, was a marketing major, didn't play well in high school, didn't have any college experience. You will never... Maybe there's someone out there, but I highly doubt it. I highly, they're not to, not the way I did it. I mean, Jarrell, shout out Jarrell again. He might have a similar story somewhat. Um, and there might've been this other guy I met. He, he's not a trainer though, but he went on a weight loss journey himself to try to do this pro thing. But both of them together, the way it's molded, with now the boxing experience I have now, because Jarrell trains at Planet Fitness, I think, which is awesome. Good for him. Um, 
but I train a more specific niche. So the transition from basketball to general fitness, whether that's weightlifting, calisthenics to boxing, is just I don't think I don't think there'll be another there'll never be another Duke. And I mean that in the least cocky way possible. Because my my adversity, yeah, like I, I had good parents, like they're amazing. I love them to death, like good family life, but like mental health struggles were by far the biggest adversity, the biggest barrier, um, along with that lack of sense of belonging, I think, socially, because I was always trying to fit in. I was always trying to be popular. I was so obsessed with being popular. I remember like I would have like anxious tendencies back to like second grade. Like I remember I would try to be funny because I wanted the attention on me. And there was this one kid in particular that kept making everyone laugh. And funny enough, this kid ended up being a complete asshole from what I heard down the line. I moved away from this, from Simsbury later, but like second grade or first grade or whatever it was, he would always be like, Duke, you're not funny. That's all he would say. Like, just Duke, you're not funny. And I would start bawling in tears because like, I was like, fuck, my life's over. I'm not funny. I'm not cool. You know what I mean? And I always kind of carried that mindset all throughout high school and even college for that matter, probably still to this day. Um, obviously, I'm not that sensitive now, but you catch my drift. Do you feel you're more open now to be able to have those mental health talks about things that you were going through now than you were before. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you understand it more. So of course you're going to be more willing to talk about it. Um, it's also socially, fortunately, socially it's become more acceptable now. Um, but I think that, I think that it's still misconstrued. Like I said, when people say like, Oh, mental health awareness. They're usually talking about general anxiety or general depression. They're not talking about bipolar disorder, OCD, schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder. Not that I have all those things, but I think we have a long way to go. And I think there's still a lot of ignorance out there. And don't don't get me wrong. It's hard to deal with people with those more serious illnesses. You can only, you know, be so patient especially if they're not like a family member or an incredibly close friend, it's hard and it's hard to understand. Um, But I do think we're on the right track, but I also think there's a lot of superficial energy out there right now. The mask, if anything's gotten bigger, I don't think the mask has gotten smaller. Yeah. They might say hashtag mental health awareness, but she's still posting pictures of her fat ass, the IG model, or the guy is just showing off his body. Now, some people, they talk about their mental health in their captions, but a lot of it's still woo-woo, you know, whatever for the likes, whatever for the clout. And I don't blame them because I'm going to do something similar. I just try to mix it into one if I can. Not that I want people to always feel sorry for me, but... I do think it's important to talk about and educate people. Yeah. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years personally, but also professionally? So 
I mean, I still see myself as I, like I said, I see myself as an entrepreneur. It's just about when, when am I going to have, I've had a business idea recently. I don't know if I'm going to go for it, but it's about figuring out when is the right time to go for it. Now there's never a perfect time. There's always going to be risk, but I definitely want to build up more of a savings because I'm trying to move from Connecticut. I'm trying to move to like Florida or North Carolina, South Carolina, or Texas. Those are my four primary States. Uh, because there's more fitness opportunity down there. There's also tap out fitness gyms down there. So hopefully I could be a head trainer down there. And let's be real. I mean, granted, we're almost at the end of this pandemic, hopefully, but they're a little more relaxed. Not saying I'm this hardcore conservative, but I've been over the mask forever. I basically wear it as a necklace at this point. I wear the like this, you know, like it's a gator. Like I don't, I don't like wearing the regular masks. Like I'm, I, I've been kind of over it. Over 200 million people are vaccinated. Not to get political, but it's like I'm, there's multiple reasons to get out of Connecticut. It's one of the most snobby states, right? As we were saying in the beginning, um, the taxes here, it's so cold five months of the year. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want to live like and be 10 minutes from the beach every day, whether that's like Miami or Deerfield be like, or Fort Lauderdale or Tampa, like, or somewhere in South Carolina. Like that just seems so much more ideal to me. I'm going to miss the hiking trails up here because it, it is beautiful. There, there is a lot of beautiful nature in Connecticut. The mountains aren't the biggest here, but you could hike so many trails here, but there's basically nothing else. As Joe Rogan calls it, he shits on Connecticut all the time. He calls Connecticut a highway between New York and New York and Boston. Oh man. It's true. Most people think Hartford's a shithole. Candace, Candace Owens, who is from Stanford, Connecticut originally, famous conservative, she said Hartford's a shithole. And, I mean, I can't deny that. Now, I have friends who live in Hartford or New Britain or wherever. But if we're going to look in the grand scheme of things, yes, we have a lot of work to do. And it's frustrating when you see all the, these tax dollars being taken out of people's paychecks and not just out of the wealthy, but the middle class and lower class. And it doesn't seem to be paying off in the dividends. So yeah, so many people are leaving Connecticut. I want to leave Connecticut. Uh, A lot of my friends want to leave Connecticut. So that's personally, professionally, uh, keep growing my credibility, maybe be an influencer myself, you know, through the YouTube, YouTube, make my own programs because it's all about residual income, right? Like when you're a personal trainer, you can only have so many clients at once. But if you have a online clients, you can work with a lot more people. Uh, I follow a lot of guys who live in New York or Pennsylvania who are big in the calisthenics community that are doing that. I actually have a trainer right now because yes, I know what I'm doing, but I want to get to the next level. So I'm being taught by someone who's done it better than I have. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. A lot of fitness people, they think they know everything. I just, I think that's so true because I mean, anyone can take that same mindset of learning. I think even the people that are pros at it, they're still learning every single second that they can. Yeah. And that's just going to get, make you even better. Yeah. 
you should you should always be sharpening your sword. If you've practiced, you know how Bruce Lee says, like, I'm not scared of the man who practiced a thousand kicks, but the man who practiced one kick a thousand times. Yep. And that's what people don't realize. I think a lot of people, and this is the issue with college, is that you're trying to soak in all of this information at once just to memorize it for a goddamn exam. And that didn't mean for that to rhyme. Sounded like a bar, though. Um, <laughs> We're uh, making music uh, on here. Yeah, exactly. Low key. But then you just forget about it, right? And I think this is the biggest issue in our education system. And like I said, it's not converting to real jobs in the real world. So then people go to more school. They get their graduate degree, their MBA, uh, their MPA. Like it depends on what they're looking to pursue. But the bachelor's degree has become the new high school degree, unfortunately, especially in a state like Connecticut. There's not a lot of jobs here. Um, The office jobs here are boring as shit. I mean, I didn't really want to work in an office to begin with, but unless you want to work for insurance or finance, there's nothing in Connecticut. We have the WWE, but that's in Stanford. So go work for a billion dollar company right there. Willing to work in an office. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you have to. Like if you're going to work in a sedentary environment like that, because like you're we're humans, like we're animals, we're supposed to be active. We're supposed to be moving. Um, so if you're going to have a sedentary lifestyle, should be doing something you at least like to do. And I think that's the biggest issue is that the pressure from their peers and their parents or wherever. They're like, oh, I got to work for Northwestern Mutual. I got to work for Travelers. I got to work for Bank of America. I got to work for Pratt and Whitney, Collins Aerospace, because there's also a lot of aerospace. But that's it. Like, it's not a sexy state at all. (laughs) Job market. I'm just being honest. That's why people leave Connecticut. It's not a state for young people. That's why they're moving to Miami. They're moving to Austin. They're moving to Boston. Another time. New York City. (laughs) uh, You know, California, even though California has been like this insane lockdown state, I know people that I have friends who moved to San Diego and Los Angeles because they can't stand Connecticut that much. And you're at the age where the opportunities are endless right now. You don't have to be yeah. stuck at Especially one. Especially now I'm not in a relationship anymore. I have nothing tying me down. I'm going to miss the shit out of my family and friends whenever I do decide to leave. I hope to keep in touch with them on a consistent basis. But what I'm hoping for is I'm rich enough to fly them out whenever I want eventually or vice versa. So it's like that Instagram you just posted about relationships. I saw that and I just started laughing because yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, don't give me, no, don't give me wrong. It's so much like cause through it. And it's just, it's, it's kind of true in a way. You, <sighs> If you're a guy who's not looking for a relationship, do not try to hook up with a girl who's looking for a relationship. If you, you know, be honest, be transparent. Don't waste her time and don't waste your own time because then you're both going to be disappointed. That's more or less what I meant. But if you have girls or just one girl, it's not, you don't have to be this player. Like it's not going to make you feel that much more confident in yourself only to a certain extent temporarily if you have girls that understand like, yeah, like I like hanging out with you. 
I know you're a busy man though, but I like to hang out with you whenever you're free. That's what you should be going for at this age for me personally. Now, granted, I don't, I wish the, my relationship didn't end the way it did. But with that said, now that I'm six months out of it, I mean, I do see that the opportunities are endless, not in terms of dating, but like I can literally go wherever I want. If I wanted to live in the Philippines for two years, I could do it. Yeah. Tim Ferriss, four hour work week, right? Get paid American dollars, live like a king in Thailand. What's stopping me now, right? So I would love to be able to travel the world um, while making money. That's another idea. Um, countries like Colombia, Thailand, Indonesia, where the U.S. currency has a lot of value. You know, you don't have to be making six figures in America to live like a king elsewhere. And it doesn't have to be a permanent thing. You can always move back. And that's the same mindset I kind of have if I move to a state like Florida. If I don't like it or I need to come back because I need to move back home, which I hope is not the case by then, you know, so be it. If this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that you have to be prepared for anything. Exactly. The final question I'll ask you, for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? It's just consistency. Like, you're never, there's going to be plenty of days days where you feel like shit and you don't want to do it. But if you have the time, actual time, you know how people say, I don't have time. No, if you literally have an hour before you go to bed and you really want to get it done, just do it. Yep. I know it's easier said than done. I'm not perfect, but write it on your to-do list as often as possible. Cause eventually you're going to see that empty checkbox too many times. And you're going to say enough is enough. And that's kind of what happened with me with cannabis. I had enough bad experiences with it. I needed a break from it. And it's changed my perspective a lot. I've been like 26 days clean now. So you can't put your mind to anything. Like don't, don't limit yourself. The world is your oyster. And one thing can lead to another. So don't be afraid of failure because you could say technically I failed basketball but I got pretty damn far and it led me to the career I actually wanted to do in the first place. Cause like I said, I don't know if you recall when I was 17, it was exercise science or music. People told me exercise science wouldn't make me any money. Neither would music, but I liked music more at the time. At least so I thought. So it's just kind of funny how things went full circle. So you never know. It's okay to change your mind, but try to stay consistent. Well, Duke, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring every single person you talk to, and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Alex, likewise, I see the consistency, and I I really appreciate it. I've never done anything like this. I've never been interviewed, so this was honestly a really cool experience for me. I really appreciate it, and I hope this podcast, among others, for you, you know, really takes off because you deserve it. You've been consistent with it. So I hope it's just a matter of time before, you know, you're climbing those charts. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.